Okay, well, welcome to the first episode of The Lonely Clam. I'm finally doing it. Um, it's taken about three years, but we're here. So, my name is Adrienne, and I'm a lonely clam. And if you stick around, you'll hear my friend slam. It's time to talk about being a woman. And just what it's like to be a human millennial in general. Enjoy. The first episode, I thought that it would be... Uh, fitting to talk about the scapegoat child um, or just make an episode just trying to give a message to all the other scapegoat children out there. I felt like it was fitting because I guess of the title The Lonely Clam I feel like being considered a scapegoat child is like a really big contributor to what's made me feel lonely or like has contributed to all my lonely moments that I've had in my life so far. So um, I guess I just want to help other people really know what that is and understand what it is and see if they can relate to it and maybe it'll help resolve some I don't know childhood trauma have some answers as to why you can't catch a fucking break I don't know (laughs) I just felt like I should talk about it so when I talk about the scapegoat child I'm talking about the a child that is a product of one and or two narcissistic parents and what actually like opened me up to this term or like I don't know, introduced, taught me what it meant, was a book by Caroline Foster. And I think it was called um, Narcissistic Mothers, like just like how to handle or deal or something like that. She talks about three or four different placements in the narcissistic home like dynamic that different children can take on or just like that the narcissistic parent kind of unconsciously designates there was a scapegoat child and the golden child and the lost or invisible child. And I, I don't know if there was a fourth, I don't remember if there was a fourth one that she mentioned. Um, but whenever I was researching to find those terms, I actually found that there's multiple different types of narcissistic parents, children. (laughs) And I honestly related to a lot of different ones because they can be interchangeable. So the golden child is the parents favorite they want to live vicariously through them just to briefly sum it up and the loss or the invisible child is the invisible child the parent doesn't really care about what they have going on they feel I mean neglected they're just like the most like unseen child forgotten child so the scapegoat child is the bad seed or the black sheep of the family um It's not, they aren't typically the troublemakers per se, but they are the rebels. They like to stand up for what is right. They are all about keeping, they fight for injustice within the family and they're very outspoken and very vocal. When I was going through trying to find these placement names, it described the scapegoat child as like one of their primary duties was to carry the shame and the anger of the narcissistic parent. And that just like spoke so deeply to me because I feel like that I carry that into my adulthood, into my relationships, into my friendships and how I carried my life and approach things, especially that shame. And I feel like so many people can relate to that. So how this played out for me in my life is, um, I mean, I, all of my siblings had it rough in different ways. So I don't want to seem like 
you know, I was the only victim when it came to my childhood because I definitely wasn't. Uh, but I will say that, like, I was the one that was picked on. I was the one that was bullied. I mean, I had three other siblings in that home. And, I mean, I was definitely the one that was different. I never fought back. I wasn't into instigating or, like, violence. <laughs> I was always the one to stop the fights, even when, you know, my grown mother was involved. Like, I was the one that was very outspoken about what was right or wrong in the home. Like, even as a child, I craved routine. I wanted to go to school. Um, I, you know, wanted to go to college. And, I mean, even at one point, my sister made, like, she kind of made a jab at me about that because I also grew up Mormon. And I was wearing a Harvard shirt, and she was like, you don't have to go to college to be a housewife. That's what she said. And it obviously struck something with me because I remembered it for this long. But I mean, I'm not going to get into like other ways because I don't want to make my put my siblings in a bad light because at the end of the day, we were all kids. The scapegoat child is also the one that does all the generational healing. So it's interesting because earlier I mentioned that the it's their primary job is to carry that shame and that anger. But in a way, I feel like Scapegoat children are also alchemists if they choose to be because they transform that energy into healing energy. And that healing doesn't just affect you and your immediate family. It affects the generations before you and after you. And so if we're having to do all this healing and not having to change all this energy, we don't just like come out of that family dynamic as completely mentally healthy people. We're also having to sober up. We're also having to rewire our own brains. We're also having to move homes, change jobs. We lose friends. Like, it's not fucking easy. There's a lot of trials and tribulations. And I think, like, that that was another big reason why I wanted to talk about this. And I think it's also just best to talk about it first to just give hope to other people who can relate to this family upbringing. Because, like, I... I you know, at a certain age, you have to stop blaming your parents, but it just has so much to do with how you carry yourself in the world and how you perceive things. Being the scapegoat or the black sheet of the family is truly so difficult and isolating. And even if you're the only one in your family, I you are not the only one in the world. Like I, for me personally, I tend to attract these people and I'm drawn to other people with this placement in their family dynamic. And I think that it's just very common actually and no two stories are the same um but I find that at the end of the day like the friends that are closest to me that I I feel that I can that they are also considered you know scapegoat children um I can relate to the manipulation or the controlling tendencies of their parents or just like how it overall just like made them feel like we have the same feelings even if the experiences aren't exactly the same and also, like, as I as I said earlier, like, the placements are interchangeable. You can relate to more than one. And if this interests you, you should also check out the other types. Question that I asked whenever I was reading about all these different placements, and especially the scapegoat child, because that's the one that I resonated with the most. Why me? Why did my mom choose me for that placement? Just a simple answer from the World Wide Web. Um, is that a narcissist will decide who their scapegoat is based on their own fears, feelings of jealousy, sense of inadequacy, and insecurity. That's interesting for me 
like how I relate that with my life and my mom is that I resembled her the most. Yet I wasn't the golden child or the child that she wanted to vicariously live through. That was actually my sister. And I actually learned this recently. She told me that my mom would like do her school projects for her to the point where my sister would go to present her projects and she wouldn't even know what to say because my mom had done the whole thing. And that surprised me so much because I had to forge my mom's signatures on things. My mom was, I had to do my own homework. I had to figure that shit out. She was never around for that. In fact, like she was all over my other siblings all the time. I was the one that she wasn't clingy like that with, yet something about me made her feel insecure. And I mean, I don't know. I guess that's something that she could only ever answer, which she won't. But, and I, you know, and I'm sure that answer ranges for every family of like, why you? I, in a way, and I, I just told this to my dad the other day that I feel like me being in that placement actually saved me because I was never reliant on my mom. I always figured it out. And that created the independence that I have today. My parents are split up. I wasn't with my dad 24-7. And there is issues even in that household, but that's for another day. <laughs> so I, growing up, I was with my mom most of the time. So her neglect actually did me a favor in my adult life. And I guess that's kind of like ass backwards to look at it that way. The scapegoat child is usually the strongest child. They are the ones that can take all of the bullying, all of the hate, all the resentment, anger, and shame. They're the child that can take all of that. So it's just interesting because, like, I wonder what all of our parents and people that can relate to this, like, what did they, how did they know? <laughs> you know, like, what made them think, yeah, this is the one. The scapegoat child is always the one that, like I said, doing the generational healing, but they also usually end up cutting off ties with that family. And for the most part, I have. Um, not because of how I was treated when I was younger, just because like our lives are just completely different. And again, that's for another episode. Even though it's hard being in that placement and it's so isolating being in that placement, I think the more we age, it's a gift. And I don't have all the answers as to like what will... I don't have all the answers as to why, why us, but I do know that it sets us apart in a very unique way. And for me and the people that I have met that I feel like can also resonate with this, there's just a different type of connection that we can make with each other. And just, I feel like the ability we have to connect with other people because we had to survive in that way when we were young and because we had to adapt. I think we all know that the way that the world is going is pretty scary. And I think that in a way, spiritually, it's given us the tools that we need to be able to survive and to be able to navigate this new world that is, I believe, like behind the scenes, spiritually trying to be rebuilt. Um, there's so much evil in the world today, and we need good people. Like, I don't know how else to say it and just other than just simply say that, but like, I feel that children of narcissistic parents in general can go one of two ways. They can either grow up to be empathetic and they want to not inflict the same kind of pain that they felt on others. And then there's people that take that victim mentality and use it as an excuse to isolate others, control others, 
manipulate others because that's what happened to them. And I've had both of these types of people in my lives. And it's really sad because I've seen a lot of people that have had so much potential and have great big hearts that just at the end of the day, like, I hate to phrase it this way, but it takes like a lot of strength to actually be, be the bigger person. It takes a lot of strength to actually get your life right. Uh, so I, I'm talking to the people that deeply remember how their parents treated them and how they made them feel and the people that are like actively taking action every day to be better and to be healthy and have to take the accountability that's required to make that generational change. I, I mean, it fucking sucks. Like sometimes I don't I don't know if I mentioned this earlier, but it just feels like you can't catch a break. And I mean, it, it sounds like that. Spider-Man quote with great power comes great responsibility but it's true like we as I said like if we're if we're here to to heal and to heal generations um in order to do that we have to experience because if we don't experience then we can't that's how we grow to be wise and it may be the long game for us but that only means the greater the reward and right now, like the rewards that I have personally experienced haven't been tangible, but I enjoy them just as deeply and soulfully as I could anything in the material. Just the clarity, the confidence, the wisdom, the contentment. The most rewarding things don't have a price tag. All of the bullshit that I have endured, all the rights and the wrongs and the things that I deeply regret have made me who I am and have given me the material that I need to even do this podcast. So my fellow little scape souls, when it's another week and another trial, um, odds are you know what to do. You've been here for before. It's a temporary inconvenience and you'll get back up and you'll ride that fucking horse of life again. And I just want this message to be the loudest for the other millennials because I just feel like we kind of slipped through the cracks, especially since... Gen Z is here and they are amazing. Like, you know, I don't want to discredit them at all, but like it's hard being in this age range. No offense, but with the fucked up parents that we had, like, I just feel like we didn't get like, I am with you, like the self-deprecating people out there that are just like, God, like I just didn't even have a chance. A lot of us just didn't have a fair chance. At the end of the day, it's about not being a product of our environment and beating the odds because that in itself is an extremely hard feat. So that's all I have for you today. If anyone hasn't told you, or even if they have, I'm proud of you. Until next time.